Welcome back to That Wasn't In My Textbook, our bi-weekly podcast that helps us uncover the things we always wish we learned from that boring, bulky textbook. I'm your host, Toya, and you're now listening to Season 2, Episode 8 on the History of Astrology, How Greeks Stole from the Ancient Africans. Hello, folks. Today, we are talking about the history of astrology, and we are joined by Kira, who is a dope astrologer, author. Yes, sis has a book. She's also a creative and an educator. Yes, sis has courses on astrology. And our guest today, Kira, is passionate about increasing intersectionality and accessibility within the astrology community. So you want to tune into this episode so you can get some history background to learn how the Greeks, who often get credited for astrology, actually stole most, if not all, of the astrology information from ancient Africans. In the interview with Kira, she helps us understand modern day astrology, the popularity of astrology, if it's cool to judge someone by their sign. She breaks down major events that will be happening this year when it comes to astrology. She tells us about retrogrades and the do's and don'ts during that period of time. So you want to tune into this episode to get into all of that. Whether or not you believe in astrology or not, there is something in here for you. And I'm pretty sure someone has asked you, what's your sign? And if someone's asked you, what's your sign? You should listen to this episode. Oftentimes, when someone talks about astrology, they go straight into zodiac signs, right? Leos, Capricorns, Scorpios. Your girl is a Sagittarius, so shout out to all the wonderful Sagittarius out there. Woo woo. And y'all know some people are hella serious about zodiac signs. They might not even fuck with you if your sign is not considered compatible with theirs and zodiacs are everywhere books movies people get tats of their signs and so on and so forth some people have impressively memorized all the information about the 12 zodiac signs which i'm always impressed by because i can barely remember what happened yesterday i do know that i'm a sag that's a rising leo and has a moon in gemini now, don't ask me what all of that means. I Google things here and there to learn about it, and it's very interesting and relatively correct. Through astrology, you can find out a lot of things like your moon and your rising sign by doing a birth chart. And if you are a astrologist enthusiast, you probably have already done it. But if you're not familiar with it, a birth chart, you can just Google it online and you put in the day and the time and the location, the city that you were born in. And it kind of lets you know exactly where the planets and the stars and the moon were at the time of your birth. And from this chart or map of the sky on your earth day, you learn stuff about yourself, your personality, your aspirations, what signs have the best boot potential and so, so much more. So it's pretty powerful. I would suggest looking it up. It's fun to learn and to read about it. You don't necessarily have to believe all of it, but it's interesting. And 
And I know not everyone believes in astrology and that's fine, but zodiac signs are major and probably one of the most popular elements of astrology. Like I mentioned before, astrologist Kira will be schooling us on a few things in this interview today. But before we jump in the interview, as usual, we'll be doing the history part. And I'm going to be explaining how Greeks copied ancient African science to create astrology. Maybe I should say that again. We're going to talk about how Greeks copied ancient African science to create astrology. I would love to make that, let that marinate for a minute, but we have to keep going. (laughs) In schools and in our textbooks, astrology is taught as a Greek invention. Greek astrology is usually the common term. But did they really invent astrology? And if not, where did they learn it from? And my research shows that they did not invent astrology. I actually found some great resources. Make sure you check the show notes. And I watched a great video from BET. It's called The Breakdown that lays out the truth for us. And they interview a lot of historians on this topic. And we already know how history is written, right? By the conquerors, the colonizers, and the oppressors. But over here on this podcast, we're changing all of that and rewriting the textbooks and filling them with the truth. So let's uncover how the Greeks copied ancient African folks. Y'all, let me just warn y'all before we get into this, that this is some real shit. (laughs) It's kind of fucked up. Let's look at the origins of astrology and how it all began. As usual, let's first start with a definition. So what is astrology? Astrology is the belief that that the positions of the stars and movements of the planets in our solar system have an influence on the events, lives, and behaviors of people. Modern astrologers see astrology as a symbolic language. Astrology is actually a Greek word and it means the knowledge of the stars. Ancient Africans were the first people to look up into the sky and observe the stars in the heavens and record their observations. Historians have studied ancient Africans in the Nile Valley, which was called Kemet and is known as modern day Egypt. But we're going to call it Kemet in this segment. But just remember that Kemet is modern day Egypt, the location of it, right? And that is Africa. So back in the day, ancient Kemet was the place to be. It was the home of culture, science, technology, spirituality, civilization. So people throughout the world knew that if you wanted to become enlightened, if you wanted knowledge, especially in science, you needed to take your ass to Kemet. At the root of this community, this center, which was peaceful, by the way, emphasis on peaceful, and was popping. At the center of this was a spiritual society that focused on high-level scientific thinking. They studied everything on earth all the way up, up into the sky. Back in the day, there was no electricity, right? And so when the sun went up, people woke up and worked and when the sun went down they went to sleep or they would stay up and observe the stars and the planets and the movement and so that's kind of when the sun became people's guiding principles 
you know, because you wake up and you guide your day with the sun without electricity. And so the sun was seen as a god. And then the stars and the planets started to be studied at night. And ancient Africans began to notice that the stars followed the same movement as the sun from east to west. They noticed the moon followed the same cycle that was similar to the woman's cycle. And they began to see patterns in the stars, in the sky, and on earth. And they noticed certain patterns in the sky only happened during certain periods of time, 30 to 28 days. And that's how they came up with the Zodiac, right? So the Sagittarius, there's a star constellation, the guy with the bow is up in the sky during the Sagittarius season, which is, you know, about 12 or 15 days of December, right? And so that's why I'm a Sagittarius. Hope that made sense. <laughs> and from all of this, African, ancient Africans were able to do things like define time and figure out the circumference of Earth. Y'all, this is before computers and calculators, okay? So shout out to our smart-ass ancestors. Shout out to the ancient Africans. We appreciate you. So they were doing all types of dope shit in Kemet, and Kemet was the place to be, and people from all corners of the world wanted to travel and learn in Kemet, including Greek astro- a Greek astrologist dude named Claudius Ptolemy, whose writing is credited for modern astrology. Claudius wrote a four-volume series that pretty much sums up everything ancient Greece knew about astrology. And ancient Greece was the hub of scientific and spirituality in Europe. Kemet was the hub of the whole entire world. You feel me? You know what I'm saying? So Claudius, similar to his predecessors like Pythagoras, think Pythagoras theorem, if you remember calculus, I know calculus can be traumatic, um, and other people like Socrates, Claudius was similar to them. They all studied in Kemet and they learned from African scholars. So these four volume series that Claudius wrote that gets credited for astrology. Where did he learn that from? Kemet, ancient Africans. Boom. (laughs) So thousands of years before Greece even existed, Africans were figuring out science and other spiritual ideas. Look, African ancestors birth writing, mathematics, medicine, arts, philosophy, architecture, and advanced science like chemistry and astronomy. The Greeks, the Romans, the Hebrews all came to Kemet to learn all of this. And many of these people came with no prior knowledge. And so they they learned and then they left with these teachings to teach others and navigate the world. Most people were grateful to go to Kemet and get such an experience and get educated from the masters. They were very appreciative, except for Alexander of Mekondon, who couldn't just appreciate learning from Kemet. Mm-mm, no, he couldn't. He decided he wanted to come back and take over and control the entire African civilization. Y'all see how history repeats itself over and over and over again? Okay. So Alexander studied in Kemet, went home, and came back with the troops. So after 3,000 years of peace in Kemet, Alexander's ungrateful ass eventually conquered the entire civilization of Kemet for ancient Greece, 
renamed it Egypt, took credit and control of thousands of years of African knowledge, according to my research and the breakdown on BET. Under Greek control, African astronomy science morphed into the astrology that we know today because the ancient Greeks didn't really understand it all. According to historians, astrology and people's astrological signs, shout out to the Sag, is actually rooted in real science. But the limited understanding of African high science by the Greeks eliminated the connection between what we call astrology and actual science that ancient Africans made many, many years ago. Greeks tried to understand it and break it down as best they could. And so this high African science became Greek astrology, which eliminated a lot of things that ancient Africans had uncovered in their studies of the sky and the stars and science, right? And so the Greeks copied what they saw. So back in the day in ancient African civilization, the study of astrology, how the positions of stars, moons, and planets affect us here on earth went hand in hand with astronomy, which is the study of everything in the universe, like the planets and the stars and meteors they went together they were it's kind of like the way spirituality connects to religion but the greeks kind of eliminated all that in their bootleg plagiarism of ancient african science so boom there you have it kemet was the place to be to learn everything including astronomy things about the stars math earth and people from all over the world came to learn from these dope ancient African scientists and a greedy Greek colonizer guy named Alexander studied and then conquered Kemet, renamed it Egypt, took all the credit for all the teachings, created astrology based on ancient African findings, kind of fucked up astrology because he couldn't understand everything and how it actually connected to science as well. So Alexander bit the hand that fed him and also plagiarized wrong. Great. (laughs) That's the summary of how the Greeks stole from the ancient Africans. So now let's jump into this interview with Kira, who is a great astrologer, creator, educator, who breaks down some common astrology terms, talks about our connection as different people of color to the stars, the moon, and so much more. She even tells us about a course that she has going on if you're interested in learning more about astrology. So let's get into it. Hi, Kira. Hey, how's it going? Good. I'm so excited that you're joining us. I know that you are an astrologer, a creative, and an educator that's passionate about like the intersections and accessibility um, in the astrology community. And I know that you have like really cool things going on. You have a podcast, you have um, a school that you're starting, you have a book that you already published, but you're having another one come out. So I'm just really excited to talk to you because I feel like, you know, you are an educator. So I'm always excited to speak to another educator because the podcast is all about educating. And I feel like at this point in time, a lot of people are kind of 
I don't know if I want to say that it's becoming popular, but I feel like astrology is becoming more mainstream. People are getting into it and trying to use the stars and nature to understand themselves and the things happening in this world. So I felt like this was like a perfect topic and you're the person, the perfect person to talk to about this. So I'm honored that you joined me. Thank you for having me. me. Of course. And you fit me into your busy schedule. So before we get into the questions of the show and the signature questions, um, I would just like for you to like, let us know about who you are, um, how you started in astrology, your certifications, because I know you're certified. And I think a lot of people don't understand what that is. So could you just tell us how dope you are? (laughs) Thank you. Um, Yeah. So I'm Kira. Um, I'm an astrologer. (laughs) Um, how did I get started? I, I'm one of those people who was like obsessed with astrology as a kid. Um, and it was just one of those, I was more obsessed with birthdays, honestly. Like I was really obsessed with birthdays. Like I remember my first grade teacher's son's birthday, like weird (laughs) shit. Um, maybe because he's a Scorpio and I remember Scorpios really well. But um, I've always knew I've always known I was a Scorpio. My dad's a Scorpio. It's just kind of like always was ingrained in me. And I also, yeah, I was obsessed with birthdays and knew that the time of birth was important too. Somehow, I don't know how I knew, but I did. Um, and so, yeah, early early on, um, I just like, I guess like what really my dad, my dad's like obsessed with space. So he, um, made me memorize all the planets in their order from the sun when I was like eight or nine. Um, and then when I was like 10, around 10, 11, um, was when I started to like research quote unquote around the signs online. Cause the internet was like a thing at that point. <laughs> Dial up. Um, yeah. And, and so I remember like Mostly I was just like obsessed with boys. I still am and <laughs> wondering like who, um, like who was compatible with me. I went to an all girls school, so it's not like. Me too. Like, oh, <laughs> For high school. Yeah. So, you know, okay. I went from, from, from first grade through 12. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, it was like kind of more about compatibility and understanding people, but um, yeah, it wasn't until I was 20. 20, 21, about to turn 21, I think, um, when I learned about birth charts, my friend told me like, do you know, there's like more, <laughs> more <laughs> she didn't like- really know much, but she was like, yeah, there's like a moon sign and like a rising sign. And she had a little book and we like, figured- I learned that I was Pisces rising that night. And then I remember going home for Thanksgiving or Christmas or something and being on my parents couch and just like googling like birth chart and like seeing my chart for the first time and um my mind was blown I literally didn't sleep that night I just kept researching and that was eight years ago (laughs) so here I am now wow that's so cool it's so funny how things that we kind of learn or like we might be interested as a kid kind of like evolve and continue on (laughs) yeah oh yeah and so I am certified um through ESAR um International Society of Astrological Research however certification is not required to be an astrologer it's not necessary whatsoever and I would actually advise against it at this time 
Oh, I was just about to ask you that question. <laughs> so can you explain what the certification process is? And yeah, that was my question. It's like, do you feel like you have to be certified to be an astrologer? Yeah, I would say absolutely not. Okay. Um, <laughs> I basically went through certification to see, like, just to see basically so I could tell other people if they, if they, you know, if it's a good idea or not. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, so there's, a couple different um, organizations that that do certification. Um, ESAR is one of the popular ones. There's also the NCGR, the National NC National Cosmic something Alliance. <laughs> I, I forget. I don't remember what it stands for. Geocosmic something something NCGR. Mm-hmm. It's a national astro org. Um, there's also OPA the the something professional, uh, the something of professional astrologers. Why am I forgetting this? Um, organization of professional astrologers. (laughs) Um, and who else does it? I think those are like the, the main three, um, certifying bodies and, um, yeah, you know, the process for, for ESAR was like, you pay $500, you go take, you kind of like get a study packet, which is like, they tell you what, it's like they tell you like there's gonna be this many multiple choice and this many short answers and like give you like a list of like 200 terms that you just need to know um and some other things that you should like they tell you like you should know pay five hundred dollars you take you go in person you have to do one day of um what is it called uh like counseling skills training, which was actually good. Um, And they put you into these groups and you kind of learn like listening skills and like empathy skills and shit like that. Um, And then that was fun. Um, And then you do like a ethics training, which is just so bad. Um, It was just like watching these like two videos from like the 90, like, yeah, like the 90s, that was just like, don't discriminate. Like, okay, we all have internal biases, like really dumb. And then, um, and then you have to take an ethics exam. Oh, and then we have to do this, like, I'm sure you might have experienced this. You know, when there's that like, um, activity you might do like in school where, everyone needs to stand in a line and then like they start reading off things and it's like if you're privileged like take a step forward basically (laughs) so we had to do that which was like so dumb and I said at the end like exercises like this are are harmful because (laughs) you're really just using like underprivileged people and marginalized people as like props for privileged people to see how privileged they are because mm. like we already know like we already yeah. know we're like the least privileged you know what I mean like being queer being being black being a woman whatever um being like some people you know are are trans some people just like came from poverty like we already know so like that that whole exercise is so frustrating to me because I, I grew up with rich white people. And so <laughs> I did that like, you know, in a school, all, all girls school, prim- primarily white. Again, like most people were upper middle class and it's just like triggering. It's like, we don't need to, we don't need to, it's already obvious. But anyway, so we had to do that. <laughs> um, and then the next day we took a test and it's like maybe four or five hours long like kind of SAT almost wow um and the test was just 
I, I have a lot of feelings about it, but basically I just feel like it, it's only really good if you're doing like one type of astrology, which is more modern. Mm-hmm. Um, these tests were made by like older white people for the most part. Um, like and <laughs> yeah. And it's like a very, it's like one of those tests that's like very, if you, if you were triggered, like if it triggers you to think about like taking tests, like you did in school where, um, you know, it, it just feels like you're being tricked almost through like the languaging mm-hmm. of the tests and like, like multiple choice where if you, if there's two right answers, but you only put one, then you get like minus a point, like shit like that. Or it's yeah. just like, are you really trying to test me to see if I'm good at astrology or are you just trying to test me? You know, like yeah, you're trying to trick me. <laughs> yeah. And the questions are just not really, in my opinion, like they didn't really speak to if someone's good at astrology or not. It's just like, can you memorize these words? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I have a lot of <laughs> feelings about certification and I don't even know how I passed. Like I swear I was like, didn't pass. And also <laughs> it took a full year more than a year, like 13 months to even hear back about if, if I did pass. Wow. So that was a whole nother thing. I have a lot of grievances around the certification process yeah. through th- at least through ESAR, but um, in general, it's just absolutely not necessary. Like it truly is unnecessary. Um, no one has asked if I was certified unless it was like a situation like this where they're questioning, like they're wondering about the process. Yeah. Um, no one has like not booked a reading for me. I don't put it on my website. Like I just found out and I literally just like tweeted about it once. Like it's not something that anyone ever cared about when it comes to like my business. <laughs> yeah. That's good to know. And, um, let's start with the signature questions because we're getting deep into this already. Yeah. How do you define astrology? Yeah. So astrology, the way I define it would be, it's a system of, um, of, uh, observing celestial movements and their, um, correlation with earthly events and earthly events can be things like mundane events, like, um, what's happening in cities and countries, what's happening in politics and like, world more like world um events and then also what's happening in our interpersonal lives and then all comes all the way down to like what's happening in our bodies and our emotional lives all the things so it's just it's literally just as above so below mm-hmm. um it's not like what's above causes what's below but there's just a synchronicity there yes i love that you said it's like a synchronicity because i feel like some people will um, can be like extremists and be like, oh no, this is all connected. So I love that it's right. like a, a compliment to one another. Yeah. And I know you already talked about um, being certified and the school um, process and the testing, but before you obviously got certified, did you learn about astrology at all in school and any of your textbooks? Did oh, they absolutely talk about not. it? Okay. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we had, like, you know, we learned about ancient Greece. Um, mm-hmm. And so, you know, some of the gods and goddesses. So there's like languaging um, that was familiar through that, but like, no, we didn't learn any astrology. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, I don't think so either. I didn't learn any at all. Yeah. But I think it's so interesting. Um, and so I know you're coming out with the school and we just talked about how you don't need certification, you know, technically. Um, and I'm all for like, you know, doing it yourself. But I know that, you know, these diplomas out here, they make them 
yeah, you know, they're there for capitalism and stuff like that. But I know you're coming out with the school and I know that um, you're an educator. So if you had to create a astrology 101 course, especially for some of the listeners who may not be familiar with astrology, they just might know like what their sign is kind of mm-hmm. like me. Um, what are two or three important things that you would include in that course for, you know, a beginner astrology 101 yeah. with Kira? <laughs> well, I am developing that course yes. <laughs> um, launches one on March 1st. Um, but yeah, so I'm, I'm launching a fundamentals of astrology course. Great. And what's, I think, aside from like understanding what we're looking at when we're looking at a chart and um, sort of like understanding the spatial dynamics around how to kind of divide up the sky and like really like coming down to the bare bones of the physicality of it. Um, besides that, it's just like, you got to learn about the planets. You got to learn about the signs. You got to learn about the houses and then aspects. And those are sort of the main pillars of astrology and of the birth chart. And then you can kind of go from there, but those are like the four main things. And I, I think planets, especially those are like number one, um, the bare bones of astrology. People think it's like the signs, but um, the signs are just environments that the planets move through. Like it's all about the planets. Mm, that's good to know. That's good to know. Cause I feel like people definitely don't talk about the planets and you just mentioned a birth chart. Right. And I feel like, yeah. you know, if you go online, especially like with millennials, everyone's like, Oh, ask someone like what time they were born and what right. location were they're born. And that's the information that you need for a birth chart. If you're not sure. Um, but can you explain the birth chart? Like, I guess generally, cause I know it yeah. can get deep, but like what information do you need from the birth chart and what are maybe like two or three things that you can learn about yourself or someone else by just doing maybe a generic birth chart online? Yeah. So um, the birth chart is basically like a 2D representation of where all the planets were at the moment you were born from the perspective of where you were when you were born. So it's, mm-hmm. it's almost like a snapshot, an energy snapshot of that moment in space and time. So um, in order to capture a birth chart or in order to pull up a birth chart, you need the the day of birth, the time of birth and the location of birth. Um, Because again, we're looking at like that moment in space and time. Mm -hmm. Um, So, and it's, astrology is all about perspective. So it's really about like, where, where was the sun from your perspective when you were born? Where was the moon? Mm -hmm. All of that. Um, And in terms of like, what you're looking at when you're looking at a birth chart, you're looking at the outer wheel is, are the signs. It's a Zodiac belt. And um, again, the planets like move through the Zodiac um, at various different speeds. Cause you know, they all move at different speeds. Um, <laughs> the sun takes a year to move through it. The moon takes a month to move through it. Like they all have different timing. Um, yeah. A different timing and pacing. Um, and then Inside of that, you'll see the planets, like the glyphs for planets. And um, you basically, and you'll see some numbers and that's basically measuring how much into a sign a planet is. So I'm not going to get get into that too much, but we measure it by degrees, 360 degrees in a circle, split it up into 12, there's 30 degrees in each sign. Um, And so we'll measure like the sun is 10 degrees of Aquarius or whatever. Oh. and then let's see, planet signs, houses. So the chart is 
also split up into 12 different houses. Um, and the houses represent the areas of life that the energies of the planets are playing out through. So um, the birth chart always starts with the first house on the left. Um, it's almost like at nine, if you're looking at it like a clock, it would be like nine o'clock on the clock. Mm. And, um, and yeah, that's the beginning. That's the ascendant, the rising sign. Um, and, and it goes down from there. So after that second house, third, and so on. And those, again, are the areas of life that the energies are playing out in. And then we have aspects and the aspects are like the, all the lines you see in the middle of the chart. Um, and those speak to how the planets are interacting with one another. So aspects is just another word for angle, really. So it's oh. like, what angle is this planet making to this other planet? And that the the energy of that angle will categorize like how those planets are talking to each other. Are they arguing? Are they like, is it contentious? Are they affirming each other? Uh, you know, are they on the same page? What have you? Mm, okay. And what are some, so with looking at like the houses and stuff, what are like some general things that you can learn about yourself from looking at your birth chart? Is it like personality, compatibility? Like what are some things you can learn? Literally everything. Oh. It's like literally your... <laughs> It's like your blueprint for life and it's like a guide for your life too. Mm -hmm. So you can use the birth chart to understand more about yourself, your personality, um, your temperament. You can also use it to understand um, the other people in your life too. Like you find other people in your chart too. You can see your family in your chart, your siblings, your relationships, your coworkers, your boss, like all the people in your life show up in your chart as well. Um, you can use it to understand your body. There's medical astrology. Um, you can use it to plan your life, which is what I mostly do. Um, so, you know, I know when it's going to be a good time to launch a course <laughs> and oh, a good time great. to take time off of work and all those things. Um, so you can use it in a million different ways. You can use it to for relocation and see like where in the world your chart would look best. Um, there's, it's like endless Wow. I didn't even know that. I didn't know you could use that for like moving, course launching. So, you know, all the things. I, yeah. <laughs> wow. That's amazing. I love that you said it's like a, a blueprint for life. Cause I think, you know, people don't understand how deep it can get, you know, it can but go very deep. Yeah. I love it. I love it. So we talked about birth charts, which I think is like a popular term that people talk about. Another popular term that I think people just like use like horoscopes, right? And I know that you used to do horoscopes for Girl Boss. Um, I don't know if you still do that. Um, no. But I just want to know what is the process as an astrologer, right, of doing horoscopes? Yeah, it's so I'm trying to, I'm going to try to describe this in a way that would make sense. Okay. Um, <laughs> so as an astrologer, what we do to write horoscopes is we basically kind of um, take a sun sign like Scorpio, Sag, whatever. Mm -hmm. um, and we we kind of like put the sun in the first house of the chart. So we kind of assume like, you know, I, I, how do I explain this? Basically like take the sun and make it like the, the center point of the chart um, and sort of describe the energy as it relates to um, like, Mm, what's that month? I, I guess <laughs> you no know, it's like I mean because you can write a horoscope for a day for a oh, month yeah, or, that's you know, true, for, yeah. and horoscope is is just a word that means oh well, I'm not gonna just I'm not gonna try to 
define it. Okay. <laughs> I'm not going to get it right, but because um, it's like has roots in either ancient Latin or Greek, Greek and I forget which, so I'm not going <laughs> to, I'm not going to act like I know um, horoscopos, but um, it basically is, you know, you can use the word horoscope to describe like the chart itself, but mm-hmm. usually that word is being used to um, describe like a forecast of some way, shape or form. Yeah. Um, and so, and so, yeah, what astrologers are doing, I guess what I'm trying to describe is like, read the horoscope of your rising sign, because that's going to be the most accurate horoscope for you and like what's going on on in your life. Um, Yeah, for sure. Like read the horoscope of your your rising sign as well as your sun sign, but definitely the rising. Um, And basically what we're doing is we sort of like either have a mental chart or we can actually pull up a chart and say I'm writing for Scorpios. I would put I would make it so the sun is like in the first house rising. And then I would see, okay, what's happening in Scorpio's 10th house, which would be um, Leo. And it's like, if anything's happening in Leo, we'll talk about career. If anything's happening in Scorpio's sixth house, we'll talk about health. Like Mm. something's happening in Taurus, which is like the seventh house of Scorpio, we'll talk about relationships. So it's really just looking at where the planets are in relation to that sign um, and kind of speaking on that. Um, So yeah, without getting too into it, it's, (laughs) it's like read, read for your rising sign. It's going to be the most accurate. And speaking of rising signs, can you explain, like, I know the, the, the um, sun sign is like your main sign, right? So like I'm a Sagittarius, but then there's like rising signs and then there's a moon sign. Can you give us a breakdown of like what those mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I call this SMR, sun, moon, rising. Um, And so your sun sign is basically like your essential self. It's like your, the core of you, your core essential like being that it's how you shine basically like the ways in which you shine your light. Um, so yeah, it has a lot to do with like your core personality that which really doesn't change that much. Um, and yeah, some people say, I've definitely said this, it's like who you came here to be like your sun sign. It's just like, yeah, the core of you, Mm -hmm. um, the heart of you even, and it's how you express yourself and how you, yeah, express like your, the core of your personality, I guess. Um, and then your moon signs more of your internal self. So I like to say it's like your instinctual self mm. and your intuitive self. Um, it's like, yeah, it's, it's how you instinctually respond to things, especially things that like provoke emotion of some, some sort. Um, and it has a lot to do with like your body and your emotional self and um, sort of like what you need to feel comfortable and safe inside. Um, so yeah, it's more of like the, the gooey insides of you as your moon sign. Um, a good way to also think about it is, um, your sun sign often will speak to your relationship with your father. It's not always the father, but, um, oftentimes it is. And, um, the energy that you, that was passed down to you from your father or, you know, not everyone has a father, not everyone, you know, was raised by a father or whatever. But uh, again, generally speaking, the moon, or sorry, the sun sign will be more like the dad, the moon sign will be more like the mom. And um, you're like, we'll describe your relationship with your mother and how the energy, the, the patterning that you 
get from your mom and that relationship and all that. So that's just another way of looking at it. Again, that can just be like whoever was the primary caregivers in your life. Um, and then your rising sign is the energy that you're kind of like giving off to the world. So um, at, the rising sign was literally the sign that was rising on the East at the time you were born. Mm-hmm. And um, it describes your your outward personality. It describes, I like to say it's your vibe. It's like the energy that you bring into a oh, space. I like that. <laughs> yeah. And it has a lot to do with what you look like, your appearance, how you dress yourself. Um, and yeah, just like the, the vibe that you bring to a space. Wow. That's dope. I like that you were able to break that down. I feel like I'm going to remember that. I always forget. And now I'm like, Ooh, okay. It's my vibe. So that's easy to remember. Um, okay. I have one more terminology question and then we'll get into some of the education and stuff, but you know, I think we talked about birth charts. We talked about horoscopes. I think another thing that people have talk, talk a lot about, I see a lot everywhere is like mercury being in retrograde. Yeah. Um, and people joke around like micro breeds, like they always like make people <laughs> say it wrong on purpose. Um, but could you explain what Mercury retrograde is and can you give us some tips on how to survive it? Because it seems like it's like a tumultuous time. Yeah. So um, we're in one right now. <laughs> yeah. So can you give us some tips on like, you know, give us a definition of what it is so, so we understand because I don't think I fully understand it. Um, and then, you know, how, how some tips for surviving it. <laughs> Sure. Yeah. Um, so, so Mercury is a planet that has a lot to do with, um, thinking communication. It's the messenger God It has like winged feet. You know, if you think about Greek, Greek gods, um, it's a planet that kind of is closest to the sun. It kind of circles around the sun and Mercury has this job to sort of translate, um, messages from the gods or from the heavens and bring them to us mortals on earth. So um, Mercury rules things like the ways that we communicate with one another, um, how we're sending and sharing messages, and also how we're like getting around, how we're, you know, moving around. Um, so when when a planet is retrograde, because all planets retrograde, um, obviously not the sun and the moon, but all the other planets do, um, when, when a planet retrogrades, really what it is, is it's like an optical illusion, like because of the differences in our orbits, um, sometimes a planet will seem to sort of start to slow down, stop, and then move backwards through the Zodiac. And again, this is just our apparent, this is like what it looks like from earth. Um, it's almost as if like you're driving in the car or you're driving on the highway and there's a car in the lane next to you. And you're both going 70 miles an hour. So it looks like you're sort of going at the same pace. And the the other car starts to slow down to like 60. It's going to look like that car is moving backwards. It's yeah. not really moving backwards. It's just like an optical illusion. So it's a similar thing with retrogrades. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, again, with astrology is all about perspective and how things look like from from earth so even though it's not actually happening we feel the effects of that illusion um and what happens when mercury's retrograde is there is a slowdown and a reversal of like of the way that we communicate and and also the way that we think sometimes (laughs) um so what that looks like is sometimes like the things that we use to communicate with get a little bit haywire like our electronics 
um, our cars sometimes, sometimes people lose their wallets and keys mm. and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a time where it's a three week period of time where we're not really necessarily supposed to be like moving forward, like gung ho with a lot of things. Um, I look at Mercury retrogrades as a cosmic like timeout, like pause. Mm. And I think that they're actually like a gift and a godsend because we can't always move forward hundred percent, like all the time, we really do need these periods to like slow down, stop, review things, reorganize things. But basically in terms of tips, like what you need to know when it comes to um, retrogrades, any sort of retrograde is like the re part of the retrograde. Retro really like literally means like, you know, looking back on the past. So we're really like leaning into that is going to make it so you have like, a much better experience in your retrograde. So um, try not to push projects forward too much during a retrograde, like taking the time, taking advantage of it really to like review some things, go back and look at some other things, talk to some people that you haven't talked to in a while and sort of like let your brain and let like whatever is happening around you, like reorient. Um, and then you move forward towards the end of it or after, after it ends. I love that. You're like, it's a time to pause and you should, you know, it's like a natural, like nature, the stars are telling you to pause and so you should slow down and maybe you should actually go with that. Yeah. (laughs) And it happens every three months for like three weeks and it's fine. (laughs) I think I saw that there's like going to be three major Mercury retrogrades this year, but if it happens, yeah. So I'm like, okay, that's cool. I need to put them in my calendar. So I know when to slow down. (laughs) Um, So, you know, we've been talking a lot about astrology terms. So thank you for breaking all those down for us. You know, from my research that I've been doing and that I talk about before we got into this interview, um, you know, they talk about how astrology kind of like rose during this counterculture, which is in the like 1960s, like the hippies, Mm -hmm. the civil rights movement. It became like a little bit more popular slash mainstream during these like time periods that were really like revolutionary just for people in general. And so I think I feel like, you know, it's happening again, um, but I would love your opinion on like. I feel like, you know, astrology, again, is becoming more popular, more mainstream. People are talking about it. People are getting their birth charts read. They're talking about Mercury retrograde um, in a way that I feel like um, wasn't happening so much, you know, maybe, you know, 10, 20 years ago. Yeah. Can you talk about, um, you know, do you think that it's becoming more popular now during these times? And if so, why? Yeah, it certainly is. Um, (laughs) I think a big part of it, I don't, it's hard to answer why. Yes. Um, because it's still like, to me, it's like, wow, what the hell? Like, this is a dream come true. I, I know. <laughs> even just like five years ago, like never expected it to be as popular as it is. It's, it was always a dream, but I never knew it could happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's pretty spectacular. Um, I think part of the reason why is that millennials are coming of age and, slowly Gen Z is coming of age too. And um, we, as a generation, are just more open to things like astrology and spirituality and other alternative forms of healing. And just like, you know, not that astrology is necessarily like a tool for healing, but it can be used that way. Same with like tarot, same with all Mm -hmm. types of, um, yeah, divinatory sort of mediums. Yeah. and so, yeah, and I think that millennials especially are just more open 
to things like astrology and the potential that it holds. Um, and yeah, it's just like, it's just happening. And I, yeah. de I definitely think it's, it's here to stay for a while. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, we'll see. I mean, it's like, we're literally just like the people in like the sixties and seventies that were <laughs> super into it, but we're taking it to another level this time. I think the, um, especially with so many like black, brown, indigenous, queer folks getting into it and um, becoming more, you know, seen as mm -hmm. astrologers and um, yeah, and readers and spiritualists and all of that, like, it's just going to keep getting bigger, better and bigger and better. <laughs> yes, I'm excited about it. And I definitely agree. I think, you know, um, millennials and just, you know, we're a little bit more open minded. And, you know, we've also gone through a lot. So I think we're doing a lot of like, self discovery, you know, um, understanding of self and the things happening in this world. And we're doing it through th different forms. You know, I think astrology is one, I think even just like, revisiting herbs and stuff like that. I think it's just kind of like an all encompassing experience um, that we, that different people are, are trying, you know? Um, and I think it's beautiful. So I love it. I know that you have a magazine that focuses on astrology and culture, right? Yeah, um, yeah. You can tell us a little bit about your magazine, but also could you let us know, like, how do you think these two ideas connect and how do you describe the connection between astrology and culture, specifically like black culture? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, my magazine's called Influx. Um, we have been on hiatus for a bit, but we will be bringing it back next year, um, which I'm excited about. But yeah, it's an astrology and culture magazine. We basically celebrate and um, uplift like BIPOC, QT BIPOC and um, the astrology community as well as like spiritual um, communities, activists, artists, all the cool people basically <laughs> sounds really um, cool <laughs> and um yeah when it comes to like astrology and culture i i just feel like they aren't separate from one another like i don't think astrology is separate from anything really because it, mm -hmm. it can be applied to everything um and it's really about yeah bridging that gap and uh, or perceived gap i i should say um and using using it as a space to like yeah, talk about things that are happening in the culture um, and and kind of like going a little bit deeper and kind of, you know, talking about the the energetics behind um, around like, you know, everything. And so with Influx, we did a lot of um, like embodiment sort of sections where we talk about like, this is a way to tap into Aries season. And we, we would also interview folks who we thought were doing cool things um, and talk to them about their astrology. And yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see where it goes next. Um, we are planning on start, we were doing it quarterly um, and we just did three issues and now we're going to bring it back as an annual edition. And it'll be like a big fat coffee table book, basically. Ooh, um, I love a coffee so table excited. book. I love yeah. a coffee table book. <laughs> who doesn't, who doesn't, right? So yeah, that's, that's what's next up. 
Oh, that's great. Um, I love that you talk about, you know, I'm, I, everyone should definitely check out the magazine. I'm excited for it. Um, and then, you know, just like the connection of how astrology is not separate from everything else. You know, I think a lot of people try to categorize stuff, you know, just to try to understand it, but yeah. it's, you know, it doesn't have to, it can be, you know, it can be all encompassing. Um, so my controversial question <laughs> is that some people have tried to do this. I don't know how I feel about it. They've tried to link racist to astrology saying that it's similar and some of the main ideas like for one thing you know people are being judged by factors beyond their control like their sign right Mm -hmm. um and just as a person has no control over their race or skin color they also have no control over when and where they were born and Mm -hmm. I don't know how I feel about this but you know this is what (laughs) this this is like my devil advocates question so forgive me listeners um so both astrology and racial stereotypes are based on a framework or belief that basically says without even meeting you I believe something about you mm-hmm. what are your thoughts on this segment do you think that there's a connection between astrology and racism um I'll let you I'll <laughs> let you take this <laughs> um no because I mean racism is like a system that was like invented exactly. basically yeah. around, yeah, <laughs> around, <laughs> you know, um, making particular people like less than that's like obviously a very, very like not clinical definition of racism, but yeah, um, but yeah, I mean, there was like so much social, social structures in play with that too. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas with astrology, it's you know, something that's been around way before racism, yeah. um, <laughs> thousands and thousands and thousands <laughs> of years. Um, the astrology that I practice pr- particularly um, is, is has its origins in like ancient Babylonia, like Babylonia, Babylonia. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> sometimes I say words and I'm like, is that right? Yeah. Um, I say words wrong all the time. That's what I do. <laughs> um, yeah. Basically around, I guess like four to Four thousand years ago, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, so, so yeah, it's not. And people weren't really using astrology for, um, you know, to judge people in that yeah. way either. Mm-hmm. Like, especially back in ancient times, it was mostly well. For one, it was mostly used for with like kings, um, and a very much a political tool, mm-hmm. um, and mostly like when when do we go to war? Like, when is the king going to die or whatever? Right. Um, and yeah, it's very like, especially in ancient times, it was used more as like a, a way to sort of understand someone's fate um, and not so much about personality. The personality part of astrology is very, very recent, like mm. as of the past. I mean, not that people didn't do horoscopes, but it was more about like, is this person's going to have a good life? Like, what's their life going to be like? Yeah. Not so much like is this person like, yeah, like cool or nice or hot or whatever. Um, (laughs) so that's very recent. That's like in the past, like hundred years, like less than that, like since the sixties, seventies, really the revival from then. Um, so yeah, I'll, I would just say no to that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I know. I just, I saw it and I was like, I guess I could ask this, and, like throw <laughs> it in there. But yeah, you know, they're trying to say like the whole like prejudgment part of like racism is like similar to astrology and yeah. charts and signs. I'm just like that, that's I not- mean, you can use it to like be prejudiced and to judge someone for sure, course, but that's yeah. not inherent in the system at all. 
Yeah, I thank you. And I know you said you talk, you practice a different type of astrology. Can you tell us about the, I know, and you mentioned like medical astrology, I think earlier, maybe yeah. can you tell us like, you know, the type of astrology you practice and maybe like one or two other types of astrologies that yeah. are out there that maybe people should know. Yeah. So there's like four main branches of astrology. There's um, mundane astrology, which is astrology of world events. There's, um, horary astrology which is um horary basically it's like asking a question and deriving the answer of that question through looking at the chart of when the question was asked Mm -hmm. Um, it's a very very cool divinatory way of using astrology um and then there's electional astrology which is something i do a lot of which is basically picking a moment, electing a moment in time to begin something. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's natal astrology. And so natal astrology is what most of us practice. And it's, um, has like a million different like branches from that, but natal astrology is the astrology of human beings, basically of like a, a birth chart. Um, uh, and so within that, um, I would talk, I would kind of my tradition, I guess, um, is of, tradition of the tradition so um traditional astrology i'll say and also i should say there's different um there's different zodiacs too so there's tropical astrology and sidereal astrology tropical astrology basically breaks up the zodiac um uh, by the tropics like the tropic of cancer tropic of capricorn basically when like the sun passes over a certain point that that they use that as like the beginning of the the zodiac and mm-hmm. I'm not going to get too much into it, but okay. <laughs> sidereal astrologer uses, um, a different zodiac where it's more about the stars um, and where they are like currently and mm-hmm. all that. So I will say that there's tropical and sidereal and there's differences there. Um, but with that, I use, um, tropical astrology and it's very rooted in the tradition of that, that kind of traces back to like Hellenistic times. Mm. Um, and so, and by that, I mean, like there was a bunch of text made around that time and a lot of, uh, people more, I would say not modern astrologers as in like they do a modern astrology, but like more present day astrologers have translated a lot of that text, um, mm. over the past 30 years, <clears throat> excuse me. And, um, so now we have, a much better idea of how the ancients were practicing astrology. And that's basically my tradition is like via like those ancient texts from the Hellenistic um, and even like medieval eras. So um, that's different from where like a lot of modern contemporary astrology is more based on like books from like the 70s, 60s and 70s and not so much attached to, and it's more new age and less um, attached to the ancient texts and the, and like the ancient scholars who were, who had already developed this amazing system. Um, so yeah, I guess <laughs> I hope that answers your question. Yeah, that like, did. I'm very tied to what the ancients were doing. And um, from there, it's like, you know, I kind of, add a, all my modern takes on it but the the structure and foundation of, of the astrology that I use is is very traditional wow I like that I like that you kind of um it's traditional and then you mix in some um new age stuff and you like interpret it as well so I think that's beautiful that's like a combination but you have like a strong foundation in 
the traditional um, astrology, which I really, really like. Um, I know that you celebrate, you know, and different things that you do celebrate, you know, queer and all different types of folks of color in astrology. Could you tell us um, who are some astrologists, both past and present outside of yourself, who is dope, of course, um, that we should know that should be in our textbooks? Oh, that's a good one. Um, <laughs> um, well, I will say Sam Reynolds is huge for me and in the community. He's a, a Black astrologer, kind of like the OG Black astrologer in the astrology community. Mm-hmm. Um, I love him a lot. He's a great person and also an incredible astrologer. So yeah, I hope he writes a book one day, but um, <laughs> he's just like a great, he's been on my podcast. He will be on my podcast again. Yeah. Um, and he's just a great source of knowledge and also someone who's done a lot when it comes to diversity within our community and like, you know, setting up diversity scholarships for some of the conferences and all of that. He's done a lot of work in that regard and just getting more black folks and people of color and queer folks like, into the community and all of that. Um, Mecca Woods is um, another, like, she's a black astrologer who um, was the first black woman astrologer I had ever known of. And so a huge like inspo for me. And she's the first black woman astrologer to um, write a book in the past, like, I don't know how many years, but many decades basically to write an astrology (laughs) book. Um, So she's incredible. who else? I mean, there's just literally so many. Diana Rose Harper is a good friend of mine um, who's mixed race and um, just like an incredible person. And she's she's so smart. And her um, she she kind of does a lot of like self self-care influence mm-hmm. in her astrology. And she, you know, used to do body work and she's a tarot reader. So she has a really deep, rich practice. Um Bear River is another like really close colleague of mine. The three of us are pretty close. He's um, mixed race, indigenous, and another just like brilliant astrologer who is really, um, yeah, soul centered in his practice and um, yeah, decolonial. Is that even a word Um, in his (laughs) practice as well? And yeah, I mean, I could list so many people, but those are like the people that kind of come to mind off the, off the jump. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, there's so, 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 so many, and there's like a lot of lists out there now and yeah. Yeah. I love that. Cause I think like, you know, I'm just discovering, well, like uncovering, I wouldn't say discovering because people have been there before I figured it out, but uncovering a lot of like black astrology, astrologists that exist and learning from them. Um, how, what do you say the landscape of astro- astrology is in terms of like underrepresented groups, like people of color, women, queer folks, like how do you think that um, is right now? And what do you think the future of it will be? Yeah. I mean, right now it's, um, we're on the come up, I would say. And I I think it's really like in our hands and we can just take it (laughs) at this point. I like that. (laughs) Um, There's been a lot of um, fuck shit basically in this community when it Mm -hmm. comes to white astrologers. And um, just, I think a lot of it now, it's like, they've always been doing fuck. And again, this is not like obviously I'm not talking about all white astrologers. There have been um, some in the community that have just been really showing their asses basically. Mm -hmm. And it's really sad, honestly, to see 
like these teachers, these people that hold the knowledge that we desire, you know, people who've been translating a lot of these ancient texts or, um, you know, have some of the best books on a particular subject. And they're just showing out as racists Mm -hmm. at this point in time, you know, definitely a lot of it's spurred by the protests last summer, um, but things just happening within the community and being called out and brought to light. And then like, you know, people sort of taking I would say the wrong side on a lot of these issues. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, So it's been a hot topic. And I think um, with that comes like the need and like the desires for more QT BIPOC voices in Mm -hmm. in astrology and to like celebrate and uplift. Um, So I think currently as it stands, like there's definitely there's definitely still like old white people in power, right? In mm-hmm. a lot of instances, but at the same time, I think the playing field is being leveled in a way, not because like they're giving up any power, but because the way that like power is is held is shifting. Like mm-hmm. just in the terms of younger people know, like can we can use the internet better. We like know social media. We know how to like, you know, get people seeing our work in a different way than just yeah. like being old and white and published you know Um, (laughs) so um so yeah I think there's there's definitely a lot of shifts going on and it's going to continue to to happen but um it's it's a contentious time in a lot of ways but at the same time I still think that like we meaning like younger queer BIPOC astrologers do sort of have um we can kind of just reach out and take what we want right now um, if we want it. Yeah. I think there's a lot of support there within the community Mm -hmm. for, for those folks. So, yeah, Yeah. that's great. I love that. Um, So if anyone is interested in learning more about themselves through astrology, what are some tips you would give them? I would start with um, a good book and Um, I mean, the thing about like just Googling and researching stuff, you'll find a lot. I would, (laughs) it scares me how much is out there. Like when I started, (laughs) there wasn't that much out there and I was still like getting a bunch of crap basically. (laughs) Um, So now like, you know, a decade later, there's so much out there and um, I wouldn't necessarily trust every single thing you read online, but I would find some reputable astrologers and see what they are suggesting. Um, I have a resources page. It's theastrology.com slash resources and has like a list of like books and podcasts and websites and apps and all the things. Um, So I would recommend like finding a good astrologer and seeing what they recommend. Honestly, if you just want to start with basics, um, I'm a huge fan of Channing Nicholas and her offerings. She's like, she's someone who's rooted in the tradition, um, very much so. And so, you know, you're getting quality work out of her. Um, I helped work on her new app too. So she has an app called Channy. Um, and I wrote a lot for that. Um, I know almost all the astrologers who worked on that app too. So I, I know it's good quality work and her book, you were born for this is like incredible for people starting out. I'm not getting paid to like say that or anything, but, um, (laughs) it's just like a really, really good resource. And what if someone is interested in becoming an astrologist? Like what are some tips that you have for that? You know, two or three tips of how to get started in that journey. Yeah, I think to get started, figure out what you want to do. Like, do you want to write or do you want to do readings or do you want to educate? Like, 
do you want to research, like figure out what your little, like your kind of path is in that. And I think sometimes to do that, you have to do, you have to try out a lot of different yeah. things. So <laughs> try writing horoscopes, try doing readings, like doing reading trades is a really good way to start out um, doing readings. And if you're not comfortable charging yet, you know, trade with folks, whether it be a service they offer or, you know, they can buy you a meal, whatever it is, um, try to get something out of, you know, it should be an exchange and not you just like giving away a bunch of energy and information for, for, for nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, try out a couple different things. I hate writing yet. I wrote a lot, <laughs> I wrote a lot <laughs> and it took me like really agonizing over it to be like, I'm not taking writing assignments again. Mm. Um, I'm writing a book, so I'm still writing, but you know, yeah. deadlines are not good for me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. If you like making YouTube videos, like, you know, maybe on TikTok, like just try to basically what I'm trying to say is like create content and um, make it known that you're creating content, make it known that you're doing what you're doing. If you mm-hmm. want people to notice you basically like you can be doing all the astrology in the world but if you don't have like you don't even necessarily have to have a website but if you don't have any anything to show Mm -hmm. then like you know people aren't going to be biting that much (laughs) so create some content in some way shape or form and and yeah get like when it comes to doing readings like read 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 like I've probably I did readings for like not, not formal readings, but I was reading charts, like hundreds and hundreds of charts for like three years before I started offering readings for money. Um, and that's not to say everyone needs to do that, but just yeah. to say that I think that I'm a good astrologer because I've read like hundreds and hundreds and thousands of charts and, <laughs> you know, you just need, you need, you need to get some experience. You need to start somewhere. Yes. Those are some great tips. I love the kind of like, I feel like I always tell people that in general, like careers, like you have to try everything and to figure if you don't know what you like, try everything yeah. and figure out what you don't like. So like with the astrology, you like try, you know, if you're not sure, like figure out, try the different aspects of it and like figure out what you don't like and what you do like. Um, exactly. And then, yeah. And in 2021, I almost said 2020, you have to be creating content, you know? Um, so that's definitely some key key advice. (laughs) So before we get to the, we're at the last couple of questions. Um, one of my questions I want to ask about you is like, what are your favorite rituals? Cause people talk about, you know, like new moon rituals, full moon rituals. Um, and I think a lot of millennials are into like manifestation and setting intentions and they are now doing that through these kind of astrological events. So could you talk about some of your favorite traditions and um, tips that you have for people who maybe want to take advantage and like manifest when there's a full moon or a new moon or anything like that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I don't do a lot of moon magic. I'm not really like a ritual type person that much. Okay. Um, I, I mean, if I do, I always suggest um, people use new moons and to, to do like, I, I say use the new moon to just like get clear on your intentions and like see what comes up. You know, the moon's very dark. It's not really the best time to be setting intentions necessarily like on the day of the new moon. Mm-hmm. I say get clear on your intentions, journal, um, figure out what it is you want. And then like two days after, two, three days after the new moon, then do your candle lighting and intention setting mm-hmm. when the moon has a little bit more light and it's not so like completely dark. Um, full moons. I'm not really like a big full moon manifesting yeah. person at full <laughs> moons for me are like 
gather, like be with people, um, enjoy company of others, and also just see what comes up because full moons are about revelations and reveals. Mm. Um, never do magic when an eclipse. That's my <laughs> that's my uh, yeah. tip. Eclipses are malefic events, like literally the light, the life giving light of the sun or the moon is like being it's turning off. It's being eclipsed. It's not really the time where you want to like bring new things into the yeah. world. Uh-huh. Um, and for me, I'm uh, myself and a lot of like, I would say millennial astrologers, even Gen Z astrologers um, tied to the tradition are really into like astrological magic and planetary ritual. Um, and so that's kind of what I focus on, like a lot more um, pr- like I'm, I'm a Venus girl in a lot of ways. And I do a lot of praying to Venus, mm. um, on Fridays, which is Venus day, okay. you know, Jupiter days, Thursday. So, I'll, you know, wake up at sunrise, pray to Jupiter, like light some incense, um, stuff like that. So I do more, more of my ritual work and my prayer work is to directly to the planets. Mm. Um, and yeah, <laughs> no, that's good to know. Thank you for answering that. Yeah. So before we go to the last signature question of the show that I always close out with, um, can you just tell people where they can find you, how they can support you, how they can sign up for your school and all that other stuff that you have sure. going on? Yeah. So um, you can find me at thestrology.com. It's T-H-E-S-T-R-O-L-O-G-Y.com. Um, that's my website. Theastrologyschool.com is where um, you can find my school, which is, it's really like, um, I have a membership site called the 11th house. And that's a cool, like community that I formed, um, around basically for people who just need to talk to other people who are into astrology and like want to nerd (laughs) out with other, other people. Um, and we also like do, um, like meetups twice a month and you actually get to like talk and like hang out with people over zoom, of course, but, um, it's been really, really fun. We just launched that about two months ago. Um, and so you can sign up for the astrology or for the 11th house through the astrology school. Then also my course, the astrology fundamentals will be, um, there as well. And that's going to be like a three month long, like intense course, basically to like learn the fundamentals. And I'm excited about that. Um, so yeah, that's that. And then I also have my podcast, the astrology show, um, which is really good resource for learning like basics about astrology. I have an episode about every planet. Um, and by the time this is out, I'll, I'll have my, um, houses series out. So season two is launching soon and it'll be an episode about all the houses. Um, and yeah, it's just a really good learning resource. I interview other astrologers and you can learn about other cool astrologers through my show too. Um, I also, I'm the director of Fresh Voices in Astrology, mm-hmm. um, which I, I have to like go into, like I have a, I have a webinar in 10 minutes to host for that. Oh but, yes, um, I did see that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we have, um, we basically, we're a platform that hosts um, emerging astrologers and we kind of, especially like, you know, um, BIPOC, uh, queer Cutie by Pac astrologers to try to, um, you know, similarly give give a platform for them to share their passions and um, the work that they've been doing in astrology and, and especially to get paid for it. So that's a big part of Fresh Voices. Um, and we host a free annual summit every year. This year it'll be the beginning of September. So that's also a really good resource. It's like 
you know, all of our webinars are like 25 to $30. So pretty accessible and you get to keep the material forever. Um, so that's a good one. It's also a good, a good place to like learn about new astrologers. And, um, I feel like I'm probably forgetting something, but those are the main, (laughs) those are the main (laughs) ways to find me. Yes. Those are some great ways. I love how you, you know, you do astrology, you do, you also provide resources and platforms to amplify other astrologists. So I think that's like really beautiful that you, um, you know, also create space to create these communities of people who want to learn, who want to amplify their voices. So I really, really like that, um, that you're doing all those things. I don't know how you managed to do all of them. I'm very impressed. (laughs) Um, So the last question of the show, the signature question of the show is if you had to write a chapter in the textbook on astrology, what would you name it and why? Ooh, um, I would probably name it what I'm naming my book, honestly, (laughs) (laughs) which is timing is everything. Mm -hmm. Um, because that's something that astrology has taught me, um, is that, you know, there's a time for everything and everything, like even like the time that you were born is so meaningful that that moment is so meaningful because it sort of like when you're born and you take in your first breath, outside of your, you know, you can't really breathe. You can't really take a breath inside of your mom, but you know, when you, when you take, come out, come out <laughs> and take your first breath, you're kind of breathing in that, the moment, the energy of that moment and space mm-hmm. and time. And that is like your patterning in, in this lifetime. Um, so time, timing is everything. And um, that's kind of what my book is going to be about, just like about astrology and like why, why it's amazing (laughs) and how you like all the different ways you can use it and how it's just like this incredible timing tool. Yes. That's beautiful. I love that. I love that. So thank you so much for your time. I know you have a webinar. Um, So thank you so much. And um, I'm really excited to share this episode. I learned so much from you. I'm excited to see what other people learn and yeah, have a great day, Kira. Thank you for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. This was really fun. And that is the conclusion of season two, episode nine on the history of astrology. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode and to season two. We have a couple more episodes before our mini summer break, but we have a lot more juicier episodes in the queue first. So make sure you're subscribed. We are one year down and on year two. I can't believe it. I also can't believe we're in July. Don't forget to come back on July 16th for a new episode. Make sure to follow That Wasn't In My Textbooks all over the interwebs. Please leave a review that helps us get ranked, get noticed, and build this community of historian or history lovers. And yeah, I hope you enjoyed this episode. I thought that astrology was a really good topic and I learned so much about the ancient Africans roots in it. And then I've also learned so much about just the general study of astrology. And I hope you did too. Let me know, shoot me a DM or let me know in the comments somewhere. Thanks again for tuning in. And until the next time, remember knowledge is power.